Welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the land of the Shinkansen. I'm Paul Bresson. And I'm Jason Neeling. And today we're talking about transportation. So what form of transportation would you say you're going to use the most in Japan, Paul? Walking. Going to use your feet. Yeah, those feet are going to get a lot of work. The trains go everywhere, the buses go everywhere, but you're still going to have to walk from the train station to wherever you're going and then back to another train station. So bring comfortable shoes. Definitely need comfortable shoes. We talked about this a little bit in the planning episode, but what, what is your position on renting a car, Paul? Probably not worthwhile. Yeah, don't do it. Unless... If you're going to be in cities, definitely don't do it. Traffic's bad, parking's expensive. Only if you're like really getting out into the country mm-hmm. and touring a long ways would it make any sense to rent a car. Yeah, don't get one unless you have a really good reason to. There are some parts of Japan where it might be a good idea. For example, Okinawa doesn't have super extensive trains. You might want a car to drive around to places you can't reach any other way. Yeah, there could be a reason, but for 99% of people traveling Japan, I would say don't get a car. Yeah. But if you are going to get a car, you're going to need to get your international driver's license, which is basically just your standard driver's license translated into Japanese, right? Yep. Depends on what country you're coming from. Even in the U.S., what state you're coming from can have different restrictions on how you go about that. Hmm. You're also going to want to be aware that you're going to be driving on the left side of the road. The steering wheel is going to be on the right side of the car. Yep. And I also wanted to mention something called K-Cars. These are unique to Japan. A K car is a little car that has less than a thousand cc engine. So they're going to be smaller. They're not going to be as powerful. But, you know, if you're not going too far, you don't need to climb mountains or anything. And it might be a way to keep the cost down a little bit. So let's get to the meat of the episode. We're talking public transportation, right? Yes. Because public transportation in Japan is awesome. Super clean, reliable, always on time, and generally pretty comfortable. I concur. So let's talk trains first, because trains in Japan are amazing. They go all over the place. You can get almost anywhere on a train. You're going to be able to take a train from the airport to wherever you need to go. Every major city has multiple train lines running through the city. You're going to be able to get around pretty well. So we're going to talk about three main categories of trains. First category is the Shinkansen, a.k.a. the bullet train. Second category is JR trains. And third category is private lines. So category one, Shinkansen. Now Shinkansen translates directly to new trunk line. Now that might not mean anything to you because... In English, they're usually referred to as bullet trains. Do you know where the name bullet train came from, Paul? No. So in 1939, when they first started planning the Shinkansen, they didn't call it the Shinkansen even in Japan. They called it Dangan Resha, which translates to bullet train. Okay. So in the U.S., we're using an outdated name, basically. I mean, it makes sense. They go really fast. Yeah. Bullets also go really yeah. fast. They're also kind of shaped like bullets. I think that's where the name originally yeah. came from. Is yeah, that they're pointy. they definitely have that pointy shape. Yeah. So Shinkansen, bullet train, they're fast, and they go all over the place between big cities. Yeah, pretty much every major city 
is connected to a Shinkansen. Mm -hmm. They're awesome. So the Shinkansen system has served over 10 billion people, and there has never been a single fatality or injury due to a train accident. Yeah, that's really incredible. Yeah. They're very safe. They're also super efficient. Did you know that a Shinkansen produces only 16% of the carbon dioxide that would be produced by the equivalent trip in a car? That sounds about right. Yeah, crazy. That's awesome. They are awesome. So the Tokaido Shinkansen, which is kind of the main one going along the southern coast between like Tokyo and Kyoto. And Osaka. Yep. Tokaido Shinkansen opened in 1964, just in time for the Tokyo Summer Olympics. Since then, the network has expanded to almost 2,000 miles, just over 3,000 kilometers, with top speeds of up to 200 miles per hour. It's pretty fast. That's very fast. Let me convert that for our, uh, our European friends, or basically anywhere outside of the U.S. <laughs> yeah, everyone else in the world. Yeah, 320 kilometers per hour. Still pretty fast, even in kilometers per hour. Yes. Yeah. So they're actually working to push the top speed to 224 miles per hour. They have the ability to make the trains go that fast, but the main problem right now is something called tunnel boom, where trains make a loud boom when they come out of tunnels at that speed. But they're working on it. It's pretty amazing that these trains arrive on time to the second. Yeah, they're very punctual. And one nice thing about the Shinkansen is if you have the JR Pass, it works for the Shinkansen. Yeah. It's part of what makes the JR Pass such a good deal. If you're going to be traveling between major cities, you can save a ton of money. Definitely. And we're going to talk a little bit later about how to pay for all these trains because there are some different options. But, well, I wanted to talk about the future of the Shinkansen a little bit. Did you read anything about the Chuo Shinkansen? I mean, there's a bunch of Shinkansen planned. Yeah, I mean, they've planned ahead by decades. Like, yeah, a lot of them aren't opening up for 20, 30-plus years from now. Yeah, so there's one specific one that I was reading about. The Chuo Shinkansen is a maglev line. So maglev is magnetic levitation. Like, they're not going to have wheels. They're basically floating above the track. and that, That's just cool. Yeah, it is cool, and it lets them get even faster. No friction. Right, right. Amazing. The Chuo Shinkansen is under construction between Tokyo and Nagoya, and that's supposed to go up to 314 miles per hour, or 505 kilometers per hour. Wow. Pretty fast. And that's going to be opening in 2027, so not too long. Let's talk a little bit about the experience of riding the Shinkansen. Both of us have done it multiple times. Yeah, the Shinkansen, I mean, it's not like riding a local train. It's much more comfy, spacious. You're going to have a big, comfy seat that reclines a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to have overhead space for some of your luggage. Yep. You could eat on it. It's not considered rude to eat on the Shinkansen because you have a little tray and a table that you can eat at. They often sell food. They'll have a food cart coming up and down where they'll sell little bento lunches or snacks and mm -hmm. drinks. But the nice thing is you get on it at the train station and there's going to be konbinis and other stores in the train station. So you can grab some food, bring it on the train with you, and you've got yourself a snack while you're going. Yeah. So that's a pretty cool thing about train stations is there's something called an ekiben. So eki translates to station and ben is short for bento, which is 
kind of a Japanese box lunch sort of thing. So Ekiben is the station lunchbox. And there are a bunch of stores that are going to be selling these. And a lot of times they'll have regional specialties. So you can, wherever you're traveling to or from, you can try out the kind of food that is special for that area. Yeah, so you can quickly grab a box lunch to go for five, ten bucks, mm-hmm. take it with you. And usually they're meant to be eaten like kind of at room temperature, but they even have self-heating ones now where you can just pull a string, wait a couple minutes, and it, the whole thing heats up. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Anything else to say about the Shinkansen? Um, it's incredibly quiet. It's very smooth. It doesn't feel like being on a normal train where you can feel the rails and the bumps. Even though you're going so fast, I can't make any promises, but I doubt you're really going to have any problems with motion sickness or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Unless you're trying to look out the window. Because you're going by so fast, your eyes can't even keep up unless you're looking way out into the distance. But that's another nice note. Once you get between the cities, you can see some really cool coastline and mountains and mm-hmm. just get a good view of what Japan really looks like. Yeah, maybe some smaller farming towns. Yeah. Really pretty stuff out there. Yeah. So let's move on to the next big category of trains, which is JR Trains. There's a company called Japan Railways Group, which is actually a group of seven JR companies that took over the assets of what used to be the Japanese National Railways, which was a government-owned train system. So in 1987, the JR Group took over those assets because apparently when the train system was run by the government, there were a lot of inefficiencies, profit losses, and fraud. Yeah. I mean, government is great at getting it all built because they have the power of eminent domain. They have taxpayer-funded resources. So they built up this really nice network, but they weren't running it as well as they could be. So they spun it off into private companies who uh, run it as efficiently as possible. So you're going to be able to recognize JR because of the logo. It's just a J and an R stuck together. And all these seven companies that I mentioned all have that same logo. The only difference is that they're different colors. I never even noticed that. I was always just like, JR, 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 it's all JR. You know, I thought it was a different line, different color, whatever. Right. I always thought that JR was one company. But yeah, seven companies under the JR group. So what's special about JR trains? You can uh, ride them for free if you got a JR pass. That's true. So yeah, the big thing is that... JR owns all these, and the JR Pass can get you access to a lot of them. Yeah, it's a high percentage of the train lines in Japan are JR. So trains that aren't Shinkansen or JR owned are going to be owned by private lines, and there are tons of them. A lot of different companies. Now, these are generally shorter distance trains, so they're going to be local trains. You know, there are a bunch of private lines that go around Tokyo, but they don't go from Tokyo to, you know, another city that's real far away. Right. They're all going to be just within each city. Each major city is going to have its own train lines. Some are going to be subways. Some are going to be light rails. Some are going to be mixes. But they run all over the place, and there's nowhere in Tokyo that you're not going to be able to get close enough to walk to from a train station. Mm -hmm. Um, You're often going to have to transfer lines 
Because say if you're on the Cebu Green Line, which I don't even know if that exists, but say you are, that line's probably not going to go exactly to the train station that you want to be at to get to the next thing you're looking at. So you're going to have to take it where it crosses another train line and transfer at that station to get where you need to go. But most of that is made pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. It might sound complicated, like starting on this one company's line and then switching to this other company's line going somewhere else. But we're going to talk a little bit later about something called IC cards, which makes that so simple. Yeah, so you're not going to have to worry a whole lot about the payment. You're just going to have to look at your map, and they have maps in English of all the train stops. And again, you can pull everything up on your phone too if you've got the mobile Wi-Fi with you. Mm -hmm. And within the train stations, there's going to be English signs in most of them, especially in the major cities. Yeah, let's expand a little bit on train stations too, because there are a lot of different types of train stations. I mean, some of the stops are just going to be a little platform. That's kind of it. Yeah, there's going to be bigger stations that are all underground, and they have three, four different entrances and exits. So depending on if you come in the north entrance or the south entrance, you're going to be walking a different way to get to the platform that you need for your train. Yeah, There's some stations like Tokyo Station, where I don't even know, there's probably four or five different lines that all transfer on that at that one station. Yeah, I mean, these stations can get huge. They can be really tiny all the way to super huge. And the bigger ones, a lot of times they'll have shops or even an entire like shopping mall. Yeah, there's <laughs> underground malls inside these stations. Mm-hmm. You can grab food and whatever you need. Yep. A lot of times there are coin lockers, which can be really useful, especially if you're, let's say you're checking out of your hotel early in the morning, but you're not leaving the city until later that day. Yeah. And lock them up at a train station. Yep. They're lockers of different sizes. And those can be paid for with the IC cards that I mentioned that we're going to go into more detail on later. A lot of stations also have bus terminals, so you can get from a train to a bus really easily. They're also, so this is something that's worth knowing, I think. Have you seen stations that have sheen at the beginning? Yeah. So for example, in Osaka, you got Osaka Station, but there's also a sheen Osaka Station. Mm -hmm. Why is it called sheen Osaka, Paul? Stop setting me up for questions that (laughs) you know the answer to, but I don't. My bad. Okay. Well... I actually was mistaken about this originally. I thought you got Osaka Station for normal trains and Shin Osaka is for the Shinkansen, right? Shin, Shin. I could see how you make that connection. Yeah, it seems to make sense, right? But remember in Shinkansen, Shinkansen translates to new trunk lines. So Shin just means new. So Shin Osaka is just the new Osaka Station. Not necessarily the Shinkansen station. Although yeah. in, in Osaka, it is the Shinkansen station. Yeah. That's cool. Nice note. So we mentioned buses. Let's go into more detail on buses. Buses are all over the place. They're not used quite as much as trains, but in some cities, if it doesn't have a super extensive train system, buses might be a pretty useful way to get around. Such as Kyoto. Yeah. Good example. Kyoto has an underground subway, but it does go everywhere in the city. Yeah, they're pretty straight lines, kind of going from one end of the city to the other. Yeah, and in Kyoto, you've got all these temples and sites to see on the outskirts of the town. So you're going to have to take buses to a lot of them. Yeah, but uh, I mean, buses can be pretty comfortable too. Uh, To stay on schedule, they have dedicated bus lanes 
So it's going to be faster than like getting a taxi or something still. Yeah. Uh, some routes let the buses control the traffic lights with optical beacons so they can like tell it, hey, I'm a bus. Stay green for a little longer so I can get all these people through. That's an awesome idea. Yeah. Some bus stops will have real-time info on where the bus is, like on a screen right there, so you're not just sitting there waiting, not knowing when the that's, bus is going to get there. That's incredible. Yep. Uh, a lot of times you can look it up on your phone, too, in real time, see exactly where that bus is, how long it's going to take to get to you. Pretty high-tech stuff. Also, for accessibility, some buses will tilt down on one side, kind of get down on one knee to let you on, right? <laughs> that's classy. Mm-hmm. Also, buses in Japan don't have raised floors, so you don't have to go up any steps. You just step right off the curb, right onto this flat bottom of the bus. There aren't any steps in the back to get to some higher up seats like you see in the U.S. a lot of the time. And these are city buses. There are highway buses, which Mm -hmm. is going to be like between cities. It's what we took for the tour we did last time we were there. Mm Mm-hmm. And these, you're going to have a little bit nicer seat, a little more space. Yeah, it might have little screens in the seat in front of you for entertainment. Yeah, they're comfortable. And it's just another reason why you don't need to rent a car. Because even if you do need to get somewhere the trains don't go, there's almost for sure a bus that goes there. Yeah, unless you're going real rural. And a lot of these buses, well, I'd I'd say almost all of them, if not all of them, are going to be able to accommodate wheelchairs. A lot of them are hybrid these days, too. Yeah, that's good. That's awesome. They can be a little bit harder to use than trains. Yes. Would you say that's true? I will attest to that. There aren't always English announcements. There's a lot of variability between companies and cities on kind of how the process works. Again, IC cards make it a lot easier. My first time in Japan, I went to Kyoto for a day and I didn't enjoy it as much as I should have. And part of it was because I was frustrated with the buses because I just spent so much time in Tokyo and the trains are amazing. And then Osaka, the trains are amazing. And I was staying in Osaka. So I had to train into Kyoto. And then from there, I had to line up at the main station there with like a thousand other people to get on a bus to like go to the temple I wanted to see. Mm. So it was about the third bus that I finally got on and it was packed It seemed like it took forever to get across the city, but that's because we were going across a major city in a bus. Like it really wasn't that bad. So the whole day we got to see like two temples. Oh man. And then we went back to our hotel. And then when we stayed in Kyoto, the last time we went, we stayed in Kyoto close to the temples. And then we actually just walked everywhere just about. Yeah. That was such a better experience. Yeah. It really wasn't because the buses were horrible. There were other things involved there too, but yeah. And there wasn't a lot of English instruction. We weren't always sure exactly when to get off. It wasn't too bad because like the temples are, the ones we were going to were pretty major. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't too hard to tell when we were at the right one. It was before the payment cards. So we had to like, we were dropping in our yen coins, trying to figure out how much we were supposed to pay. It was a little bit confusing and a little muggy on the bus. Yeah. It was a hot day. Yeah, I would think... Things might have changed a little bit since your first trip there. You were there right when tourism was kind of ramping up in Japan. Like over the last decade or so, tourism in Japan has gotten huge, like bigger than it ever was. So maybe they just needed to figure out how many buses they needed to take care of all these tourists or something. Yeah, part of it's on us for not planning super well. 
and for not staying in the city. We did it as a day trip, which made it a little more difficult because there's so much to see in Kyoto. Yeah. And we just went there for a day. So I prefer trains if you can, but the buses, the buses are all right yeah. too. Well, I actually was going to run through what to expect when riding a bus, just so people can try to avoid uh, an experience like you had. <laughs> so if you're riding a bus, here's some general rules for how it's going to work. You're going to want to enter through the back door, not the front door. There's going to be a little machine where you can take a ticket or scan your IC card if you have one. Now, if you're using a ticket, there's going to be a table, not a flat table that you set things on, but like a grid up above the bus driver that shows you the fares for different stops. So you're going to have to look through that and figure out how much your fare is, which can be a little complicated if there's not English. Yeah, if you have the tap card, it's a little easier. Because you just tap on your way in and tap on your way out, and it does the math for you. Yeah. So there are buttons on the bus that you can push to signal that you want to stop at the next stop. That's kind of standard. Yep. Now, some cities are going to have flat fares. You're going to pay the same price no matter how far you're going. Kyoto, for example, is like that. Yeah. But then there's the others, like you said, where it all depends on when you got on, when you got off, how far you're going. Yeah, and that's part of what makes it hard figuring out buses, that it could be different all over the place. It's just like the trains. There's a lot of buses run by different companies, and they all do things a little bit differently. Yep. Some of them are going to have really good English signs and announcements. Some of them are going to have almost nothing. Mm -hmm. A good rule of thumb for Tokyo specifically that's different from most of the rest of the country is that in Tokyo, you do enter at the front... It's a flat fare, and then you exit through the back. But no matter where you are, and I feel like this is going to be a recurring theme, just watch what other people are doing. If you're confused, just look around. You'll probably be able to figure it out. Yeah, hopefully you're not the only one at the bus stop. Yeah. They'll know, you know, if there's a Japanese person there, they'll know what door to go into. Yeah. But I, doing this research, I heard that even Japanese people are in general a little less comfortable using the buses than the trains because it's different. They, you don't always know how much to pay or it's harder to tell when your stop is coming up and things like that. But yeah, yeah. it's like buses in any other city. You can figure it out. Oh, another thing to note about Tokyo is that the buses now run 24 hours a day. That's awesome. No yeah. more getting stuck after last train. Yeah. All right, so now we're getting to, we're going to talk about payment. And a big part of that is IC cards because IC cards are amazing. So an IC card is this little card that you can get and you can load money onto it. And basically it'll let you take trains, buses, you can do a lot of other things with it. They're a game changer for how easy they make everything. Yeah, now when you first start researching them, you might be a little confused because there are a lot of different IC cards. For example, in the Tokyo area, there's something called Suika. In Nagoya, there's one called Monaka. In Osaka, they have one called Ikoka, etc., etc. Certain regions have their own IC card. But fortunately, these days, these networks are overlapping. So you can use most IC cards in any other region as well. And you could pick up these cards... I've always gotten one at a train station. Yeah. Like usually there'll be a machine or you might need to go to an office to get a new card. And there's going to be a 500 yen deposit usually to get the card. And then you can just load money onto there. Yep. They'll have uh, right next to the ticket machines, there'll be machines that you can load more money onto your card. It's really simple. 
And they can be used all over the place. You just got to look for a little logo or IC card. Like the Suica one is a little green logo that says Suica, and there's a little kind of globe sort of thing. So if you pick up that card and charge it, you can use it for all the trains in Tokyo. You can use it at some convenience stores. Mm-hmm. You can um, use you it can at use vending, it at machines, vending machines. Coin lockers in the train stations that we mentioned. A lot of those you can pay for with a IC card. So it saves you having to have a lot of cash on you. Yeah. You just throw some cash into the machine, put it on your card, and then you don't have to carry 100 bucks around with you everywhere you're going. Yeah. But I would say the very best part about IC cards is you don't need to worry about figuring out your fare for anything. Right. This is going to be what it's going to be, but you don't have to worry about it. You could transfer, you can hop on and off, and you just don't have to worry about it. I mean, once you go through that gate, you know, there's a, there's a little automatic gate that lets you into the train area of whatever kind of train you're getting on. You just tap your card, the little gate's going to open, and then when you leave, you're going to tap your card again, and it calculates everything for you, automatically deducts the money from your card. Yep. Same with trains and buses. So if you've got your Suica card and you've got your JR Pass, you're pretty much good to go on any transportation other than a cab. Yeah. Um, Unless you get to a region that doesn't support the card anymore, if you get way out there. So like I said, there's a $5 deposit for a normal Suica. That card is going to be valid for 10 years or longer. It's actually 10 years of disuse after which it is deactivated. I think I've still got mine. So I've still got, I've still got some years left on that. Yeah. I've been using the same card for all my trips. Nice. It can also be a fun uh, souvenir if you don't want to turn it in and, you know, get your $5 deposit back. Yeah. So as of September 19th of this year, 2019, there's actually going to be a new type of Suica that you can get called Welcome Suica. You hear about this? No, it's a Welcome Suica. So this is a Suica specifically for tourists. You get it without a deposit, but it's only valid for four weeks. Okay. So if you're going to stay there for less than a month, you know, you don't want to worry about the deposit. You can just grab one of those. I've noticed every time Japan has the Olympics, they start rolling out new cool things for (laughs) tourists. Yeah. A couple new train lines here or there, some new features, amenities. Mm -hmm. They do a good job. Totally. So another thing to mention with the IC cards is that you can't travel between cities with them. So like I said, there are different regions that have their own card, and you can generally use a card on any of those regions, but you can't get on in one region and then get off at another region. Yeah. There are the Shinkansen. Some of them work with some of the cards, Um, but you have to buy your, you have to get your ticket in advance and you can pay with the card. But it's very specific on which lines work with which cards. So if you're going too far, it's not going to work. But in some situations, it can work. Yeah, what I read is some Shinkansen will accept IC cards, but you need to register in advance to use that option. Probably not worth the trouble. And if you're taking the Shinkansen any decent distance, you should should have a JR JR pass pass. anyway. So let's talk a little bit more about the JR pass. I know we mentioned it in our planning episode. Yeah. Just kind of a quick recap of what we mentioned before. You're going to want to order your JR pass in advance. You have to get that voucher before you enter the country. JR passes can be used for any JR mode of transportation, really. Not just trains and buses, but also ferries. And I also wanted to mention, if you're getting on a Shinkansen or any of the long, longer distance trains, there's usually an option for reserved seats or unreserved seats. 
So some cars of the train will be unreserved and you can just walk in there with your JR pass. You don't need to worry about booking anything in advance at all. You just walk in there. You're going to have to flash your pass, you know, as you walk through the gate so they don't stop you. Yeah. And then just uh, pick a seat as long as you're in a non-reserved car. Yep. Uh, But you can also go to a JR office and reserve a seat. I feel like those cars for the reserved seats are generally going to be, well, less crowded for one. And maybe and you're quieter. guaranteed to get a seat. Yeah, that's nice. Which is nice. You don't want to be standing on a two-hour train ride. And uh, I think we should mention that the JR Pass, it's like a laminated piece of paper. Like when you're walking in the gates of a train station, you're going to have to go to the stall where the actual person is standing right. and flash the card to them and they'll wave you through. It's not an electronic thing that you can tap and get entrance. Yeah, that's definitely a good thing to know. You're not going to be able to go through those automatic gates you want to go over to a real live person and yep. show them that. But every thing. every gate that you're going to use is going to have a operator or a person there, so you're always going to be able to get through right. if it's a JR line. Yep. So I should mention that there's two Shinkansen that the JR Pass does not work for. The Nozomi, really, it's the fa- one of the fastest trains. It only stops at major stations. You can't get on one of those with it. And also the Mizuho. And it's not like there's stops you can't get to. It's just a couple specific trains that they don't let you get on. But you're not going to have a problem getting where you need to go. Yeah, they're basically the two fastest trains. So they just don't include those in the JR Pass. So that you're they're express and they're there. fast and they're kind of the premium trains. Yeah. Let's talk just a little bit about experience of riding a train. Because I think we sure. went over that a little quick. Yeah. So maybe some of you have seen those videos on YouTube where it's rush hour and there's station attendants just pushing people onto a train to get everyone to fit. Those videos are real. That's generally not as bad as it is, but definitely during peak rush hour times on certain lines, especially in like Tokyo or Osaka, it's going to be crowded. Yeah. It's definitely not the standard. Like, not every single train ride is going to be like that. But depending on where you're going and what time of day, you might run into that. If it's 5 p.m., it's going to be busy. And you just, you'll fit. You just keep pushing on there. Don't be rude and push people all the way, but just keep squeezing on there. And it's amazing how many people can fit. (laughs) Yep. And it's like not even that bad because you're packed so tightly that you're not even swaying around them. You don't even need to hold a bar or anything because <laughs> there's so many people around, you can't even fall over. Yeah. And it's only for certain lines, for certain times of day in certain cities. Most of the time in the middle of the day when you're running around, you can probably even find a seat to sit on. Yeah. The train's not even going to be that crowded. Yeah. I mean, in all my trips to Japan, I've only been packed in like that maybe a couple times. Yeah. And I want to mention with the Shinkansen too, that to get on a lot of those... It's sometimes like a station within a station. Like you've got to get into Tokyo Station and then there's like another station inside Tokyo Station that you can only get into if you have a ticket for the Shinkansen. Yeah, that's a good point. So if you're just looking for that station, you might have to go inside of the train station to find it. Yeah. I mean, like we said, these train stations can be enormous and they'll have different sections, you know, for buses and Shinkansen and oh, here's some shopping area or something. So once you're in the station, you should be able to follow the signs for Shinkansen. It will be labeled. They will point you in the right direction. Yeah. I feel like as long as you keep your eyes open, the signs, they're pretty easy. And there'll be station attendants around. You can ask for help. Yep. Or you can do the old go-to, 
pull out a map and look confused <laughs> and someone will, will likely stop and uh, help you out with directions. Yep, that could work. There is uh, green cars available on Shinkansen's too, which is kind of like a business class. You get yeah. a little bit more room. I don't think you can do those with the JR Pass. You can if you buy the green JR Pass. Like ah, they have one specifically the, for the, the fancy green pass. Train. Yeah. 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 So that is available. But my experience is that the normal seating on the Shinkansen is so good, anyways. I didn't see any need to upgrade. Yeah. Normal one is plenty comfy. Well, it looks like that is it for today. If you want to find us on the web, you can check out our website at sightseeingjapanpodcast.com. Find links there to our social media as well. And uh, Paul, what are we talking about next week? So now you're in Japan, you're at your hotel, you know how to get around to all the cool places you want to go see, but you're still going to need to eat. Eating is important. So on the next episode, we're going to talk about food in Japan. So much delicious food. Japan's got a great food culture and so many good restaurants. It's going to be a really fun episode. Yeah. Get excited. And uh, now to close out the episode, I want to leave you with a little clip of the Shinkansen Station. So uh, close your eyes and, and just drift off to the magical world of super fast trains. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.